So have you ever had a disagreement, right? You're probably laughing going, of course I have. Or have you ever had a disagreement and it goes real bad, real quick, right? Disagreements are a part of life. We all have different opinions. We all have different perspectives. And yet it seems that disagreements can like get so blown out of the proportion so quickly. And so how do we begin to navigate those moments, those times when the disagreement goes from just a lighthearted one to something far more serious. How do we navigate when maybe only one of us wants to work on it and the other one doesn't? So for today, we are going to get into a story in the book of John where Jesus and a group of individuals that are opposed to him they kind of start to go back and forth. They have this conversation and it gets really intense, really quick because this group that has surrounded Jesus, they want to kill him. And so it's interesting the way he navigates this conversation that becomes an immediate disagreement that goes to a level where it's like, oh my goodness, what in the world is happening? So beginning in John the 10th chapter, verses 22 through 24, the time came for the festival of dedication in Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was in the temple, walking in the covered porch named for Solomon. The Jewish opposition circled around him and asked, How long will you test our patience? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. All right, so think about it this way. Jesus, the festival of dedication, we also know this as Hanukkah. So a festival that is one of celebration, of joy, of excitement. And here Jesus is at the temple. He is ready to celebrate. He's probably there with his disciples, maybe some others, right? It's a time of coming together. So think about being in that kind of mindset. You're ready to celebrate. You're really living into the joy of the moment. And a group encircles him. They come around. It's like they cut him off from what he's doing. They stop him. And we don't know why they stopped him. Other than they obviously didn't like him. They seem to hate him. Maybe they're jealous. Maybe this is like a power play. Maybe this is a moment to intimidate him. But they stop him and they're like, hey, wait a minute. How long will you test our patience? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Like, hey, you're not being real with us. Tell us. But this questioning, right, this is to trick Jesus. This is to get him to say something where they can arrest him, where they can be cruel to him, where they have what they see as legitimacy for stoning him. And here's a moment where we go, okay, there are people in our life that maybe we have issues with, maybe we don't like, maybe we don't get along very well, or maybe it's just, it is somebody we like. But how do we, why do we start particular conversations? Are we baiting? Because we probably have felt where somebody has baited us into conflict, where they're trying to draw us out. They're trying to put us on the defensive, just like this group is to Jesus. And so a moment of recognizing there are times where we just need to move on, where we just need to keep walking, where, you know what, is this really that important to have a conversation about? And sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. But 
understanding why do we start into a particular type of conversation? Why do we, when we know we disagree about something, why do we choose to have the conversation? Is it to bait somebody? Is it to say, look at me, I'm right, you're wrong? Is it to prove a point? Is it because we want to back them into a corner because we don't like to get backed into a corner ourselves? And so here, it's just a moment of going, taking stock of why do we even begin particular conversations and do we sometimes just need to move on? We just need to keep on going. Continuing on in verses 25 through 30, Jesus answered, I have told you, but you don't believe. The works I do in my father's name testify about me, but you don't believe because you don't belong to my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never die and no one will snatch them from my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them from my father's hand. I and the father are one. All right, so Jesus starts out, he's going to be very clear, right? So they've started the disagreement and they want him to respond. So he is choosing a particular way of responding. He's going to be clear. And he makes a statement about, I have told you, but you don't believe. That moment of God, I don't think you're listening or you're not hearing what I'm saying. You're only hearing what you want to hear. How often have we had those moments where maybe we even aren't having a disagreement until one of us hears something that wasn't said because we really weren't listening or we were only hearing what we wanted to say. And all of a sudden we are in a disagreement because somebody wasn't listening. So a moment of going, okay, so are we listening? Is everybody listening? Is there a misunderstanding? And we can't make anybody else listen. We can only do that for ourselves. Doesn't matter what we say. We know this when it comes to social media. It doesn't matter what you say on social media. You're probably not going to convince somebody of a different opinion to your own, right? There's a sense of not listening to one another to gain perspective. And then what Jesus has to say is about his identity. He actually is answering their question, but it's not in the way that they want it. It's not in the way that they want to hear it. And so he begins to say, I give them eternal life. I and the Father are one. Okay, so here, just as I said a couple weeks ago about eternal life, eternal life isn't just about like a time span. Eternal life is about a quality of life, a quality of life that is forever connected to God. And so a quality of life here and now in the moment, like he is giving the people around him, he's giving his disciples something to like really chew on, something that is like there is a different way. But then he does something else interesting about who he is. He says, I and the Father are one. Now, what they hear is blasphemy, but what he is saying here about I and the Father are one, he is identifying who he is in connection to God. And he's going to expound upon that, about what does he exactly mean, but he's getting into it a little bit with, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them from my Father's hand. So there's a sense that what Jesus does is always connected. The things that he says 
his actions are always connected to God. And if it weren't for God, Jesus wouldn't be doing anything that he's doing. Continuing on in verses 31 through 33. Again, the Jewish opposition, opposition picked up stones in order to stone him. Jesus responded, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of those works do you stone me for? The Jewish opposition answered, we don't stone you for a good work, but for insulting God. You are human, yet you make yourself out to be God. All right. So here we get a sense of further into how Jesus is identifying himself. He's identifying himself by the work that he does. And we may be going, okay, well, which works are we really talking about? Here in John, it seems to be his work of healing, just in where this story is placed with others, that he's like, but I'm healing other people. And they're like, we don't care that you're healing other people. He's like, but no, my healing is connected to God. I, God is a healing God, and I am fully living that. That is the connection here. That's how you know who I am. And all they hear is blasphemy. All they hear is that you've set yourself up to be God. And Jesus is like, I'm trying to heal. And so when we're in a disagreement, when we're like misunderstanding one another, like I said, we can't get somebody else to listen the way we want them to listen. All we can do is be careful and be cognizant, be very focused on what we are putting out. And Jesus here is trying to put this out of going, hey, wait a minute. What I'm trying to do is trying to heal. And they're like, we want no part of that. And to think about that for ourselves, that when we're in a disagreement, how are our words pointing to God, pointing to a God that is healing? Not that it's accepted that way, but how do our words point to that? And so a moment of going, all right, we've got clarity. Jesus is trying to be very clear about who he is, that he is connected to God and that they know God through what he does. And what he does is heal other people. And so not only to be clear, but then also to take stock of when are my words healing or when are they, you know what, I'm ready to jab, I'm ready to come back at, I don't like, to really pull ourselves back and go, all right, what part of this disagreement am I fueling, am I cultivating, am I throwing logs on the fire, or are my words really trying to point towards God, point towards healing, point towards a resolution. Continuing on in verses 34 through 39, Jesus replied, isn't it written in your law? I have said you are gods. Scripture calls those to whom God's word came gods. And scripture can't be abolished. So how can you say that the one whom the father has made holy and sent into the world insults God because he said, I am God's son. If I don't do the works of my father, don't believe me. But if I do them and you don't believe me, believe the works so that you can know and recognize that the father is in me and I am in the father. Again, they wanted to arrest him, but he escaped from them. All right, so right there, Jesus is quoting uh, Psalm, Psalm 82, 6, which says, I hereby declare you are God's children of the most high of all of you. Hear that again. I hereby declare you are God's children of the most high, all of you. 
Now, gods, little g, it's this incorporation that all of us, all of us are connected to God. All of us can work, be part of the work of God that we can become partners with God in this work. And so Jesus is pointing that out. He's also pointing out to them that they can be included in this too, that they can be part of God's healing presence in the world. And it's a moment of realizing that he not only is trying to be clear, he not only is trying to be healing, but he's also inviting them in even though they want to kill him, even though they're still ready to pick up the stones. Like they absolutely cannot hear what he is saying because they've got too much of their own stuff going on. They leave no room for a possibility. In fact, they are drawing lines in the sand that are very unhealthy, very unhelpful lines. And at the same time, Jesus is drawing lines. He's drawing boundaries that are trying to be helpful. And so here is, again, a moment of pause for ourselves of going, wait a minute, how are the boundaries, how are the lines that I draw with others, how are they harmful? Are they mean? Are they cruel? Is it because I want to lash out? What are the lines that we draw that are no good? And then what are the lines that we draw that are trying to be about healing, trying to be about, wait a minute, I can be this healing presence because we are all connected to God. We are all God's children. Jesus just happens to be the one who is God in the flesh. He is the one that who lives it out and shows us exactly who God is every time he is speaking, every time he is working in the world, every time he is healing. And so that is our symbol. That is our like ultimate. That is where our focus is to be and to check ourselves. Okay, how am I living according to? Am I trying to work on healing or am I just sitting in those fears, sitting in that comfort of, well, I don't have to do it. They have to do it. A moment of looking at our disagreements and going, okay, what lines need to be drawn here that are helpful? And which ones do we need to say, you know what, no more, because these are harmful, because we're in attack mode, we're in an unkind mode. It's all about inducing anxiety and fear, whether it's within ourselves or someone else, and to realize when other people are doing it. So maybe we're trying every single day. We're like, no, I want to have healthy conversations. I want to try love. I want to promote peace with all, all kinds of people, with everyone. I recognize we are all God's children trying to emulate the life of Christ, and yet people are doing unkind, unhelpful, maybe even mean, trying to draw us in, bait us into conflict, are really all about, they will argue with a fence post. They will argue with anything because that's kind of who they are. And to say, okay, well then what healthy boundary do I need to draw here? I can be kind. My words can always try to be healing. But we don't get drawn in, and here we see what Jesus does next. Because this is a real moment of understanding that there are times when we are to respond 
with those healing and healthy words and that that should always be our response. And then there are times where we've got no more to say because of the other. Finishing up in verses 40 through 42. Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had baptized at first, and he stayed there. Many people came to him. John didn't do any miraculous signs, they said, but everything John said about this man was true. Many believed in Jesus there. So Jesus goes back across the Jordan with the others, and now he's back amidst other people where they're talking and they're conversing and they're asking him questions and they're trying to understand who he is, not because they want to attack him, but because they truly want to understand. So he has moved on. He has let go of what just happened. And next week, we are going to get into more of that. How do we deal with, how do we move forward? How do we let go in all kinds of situations? But here, to recognize there are times in disagreements where we've got to let it go. Like, we've got to move on. And to be able to go back to a place, to be amongst people who kind of surround us, who maybe are still questioning us, but it's not from a, a malicious place. Like maybe they disagree, but it's from a place of understanding. So to go back and to be in a place for a time, he's not going to stay there because Jesus has more work to do. He, he's got to move and be. He's trying to be with all people. He's trying to encourage all, all people. He is trying to live the works of God. He is trying to be the Messiah, the Christ. Messiah, Christ, one is Hebrew, one is Greek, means anointed one. And it's this sense of how God at work in the world is being played out, is being fully seen in the life of Christ, is being seen in the life of Jesus. That this has not been a conversation about Jesus going, well, this is who I am and bow down to me. But instead of going, well, let's look at what I'm doing. How am I healing? How am I present with others? And so now he moves into that space, mentally, physically, of, all right, let's converse, but in a very different manner. So he doesn't stay stuck. He doesn't stay ultimately in the temple with those who disagree, surrounded by that. He takes a break. And so as we're thinking about that, of how do we deal with disagreements when we come to an impasse, when we have tried to be as kind as we are, that there are times where we just have to kind of move on. We have to let it go. We have to refocus ourselves on what's really important because all people need healing. All people need to know that connection of the love of God in their lives. And so how might this story challenge you today? How might it challenge all of us in the ways that we approach disagreements, in the way that we move through disagreements, and then what do we do after? How will we be challenged, comforted, and inspired today in the way that we face, experience, cultivate, move through disagreements? Amen. Thank you.